Okay, this is uh, Canto 7, Srimad Bhagavatam, Chapter 6. We are doing a chapter which is called Prahlad instructs his demonic schoolmates. Yesterday we had seen how Prahlad, you know, after uh, telling his father, uh, he is again sent back to uh, Sunda and all, again so that he can get brainwashed once again into the religious activities and so on. So he has come back. But this time what he does was some, is something strange. He takes charge of all the other students that are there in that school. So let us see how it happens. Prahlad Maharaj said, One who is sufficiently intelligent should use the human form of body from the very beginning of life. In other words, from the tender age of childhood. To practice the activities of devotional service giving up other engagements. The human body is most rarely achieved. And although temporary like other bodies, it is meaningful because in human life, one can perform devotional service. Even a slight amount of sincere devotional service can give one complete complete perfection. See, what happens is in our world, we come across the devotional aspect much later in life. Sometimes the devotional aspect, you know, it comes to us very late. It can happen when a person is quite old in life or maybe by the time you are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old that time we people believe that we should get the devotional aspect in our world. But unfortunate part is that if if we were to start this very much early in life you can, um, you can see the amount of karmas that are supposed to come to you will not come to you. Because knowledge dawning in a person doesn't allow those karmas to happen. So it appears that it is very important to start as early as possible. You will find that Sri Ram or Sri Krishna started their devotional aspect very early in life. So they were able to overcome a lot of difficulties. But if you start very late, then it is slightly tough. One is... Learning is tough. You know, to mold a child's mind is very easy. But to mold an adult's mind, to tell that person, okay, this is not how you should be doing and that is the way you should be doing, it's extremely tough. Think your own example. If Suppose if you are used to eating by hand and suddenly you are given a fork and spoon or maybe chopsticks, you know how difficult it is going to be to learn that and unlearn the process. Unlearning the process is the very toughest part. You know what unlearning means what? To know a new stuff and to completely discard the old one. How is the old one to be discarded? It's like many years in, in your own world. You are used to say let us say uh, drinking hot cup of tea. And now suddenly you start liking the cold, cold tea. Your taste buds are not accustomed to that. And if your taste buds are not accustomed to that, you know, you're going to find it very tough. Take a very simple example. If you if you like idli with some sambar, you know, and now suddenly you go to a country where sambar is not available, but maybe you can make rice cakes, like in China, you can make rice cakes. And along with that, maybe a coconut chutney is there. You can make coconut chutney. But again, ingredients, half of the ingredients are not there. You know how difficult it is going to be. <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like if you start early in life, very much early, then it is going to be much helpful for you. 
that is the idea so he says the body has been given to us first and foremost human body to get is like a one one in a million chance you have to come up to that level to become human in the first place second we have got so many karmas attached to us all those karmas have to be you know erased in our life and this life we have come with some amount of karma which is called or prarabdha karma to get rid of that prarabdha karma is very very tough so overcoming the prarabdha karma and not performing any additional karmas you are supposed to go towards devotion think about it how tough it is going to be so to start early the new karmas don't happen the old ones get erased faster and you are able to move towards devotional aspect of your life that is why human birth is extremely important so we should never discount the reason why we are alive over here see animals and other others in the kingdom are able to dissipate the past karma but they do not have something which is called devotional aspect in them because they are animals they are birds they are bees or whatever it might be so they don't have that capacity but we humans have capacity to overcome this so we should use the capacity which god has given us the human form of life affords one a chance to return home back to godhead therefore every living entity especially in the human form of life must engage in devotional service to the lotus feet of lord vishnu this devotional service is natural because lord vishnu the supreme personality of godhead is the most beloved the master of the soul and the well-wisher of all other living beings so if we start this kind of a devotional service earlier in life see those who are hindus believe in vishnu or whom we call as krishna the krishna is the main deity whereas there are others who believe in their own gods now you have to understand in in hinduism we call him vishnu or krishna otherwise he goes by the another name which is called supreme divine consciousness all right that is a generic term which will describe that so it, you may be from any other religion as well so supreme divine consciousness is a common terminology it's called as father it it goes by some other names also so father in christianity so we can follow the same principle and go towards it so the idea called the human birth has been given so that you can reach this particular domain of supreme divine consciousness and then once you are over there you will be able to get out of your physical domain which is the one that we are always keeping on getting birth over here you know that we can get off prallad maharaj continued my dear friends born in demonic families the happiness perceived with reference to the sense objects by contact with the body can be obtained in any form of life according to one's fruitive past fruitive activities such happiness is obtained op- automatically obtained without endeavor just as we obtained distress now this is an important statement let us see what it is saying it is telling us that some people some people enjoy happiness even the moment they are born they are born in a very very rich family they are having what we call as they are born with the silver spoon in their mouth you know like they say 
they are born in affluent families they have servants they have you know huge beds to sleep in they have cars to travel all over the place they are literally having uh, everything that they want in their world they get the best of the schools they get the best of the colleges so some come with this kind of past karma you know they have this karma leads them towards that particular type of a life whereas on the other hand there are lots of people who are born in very poor families they do not have food to eat they have to go to one of the worst schools they have to attend colleges which are very very mediocre and they may become clerks or they may have no money absolutely they may they may not get married or they may get married or whatever you know and it's always life is full of struggle 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 and struggle and there is always a problem in their world now that happens all because of past karmas past karmas are responsible for the way that you are born and whatever that you do in this life but that is your past which you have brought with you for which you are getting what you are supposed to get that should in no way color the devotional aspect of your life think about it it is like you are saving money today for tomorrow if you don't save today for tomorrow your tomorrow is going to be bad this is in the material world isn't it in the same way let us say if i don't perform good karmas to today tomorrow the fruits will not be good this is again for the material world now for the spiritual person the spiritual person is supposed to go through this life whether it is happiness or whether it is suffering he has to pass through that particular life in an economy in a in a state of equanimity as an equipoise as we call it go through that entire life and do not bother about what is happening i know it is very tough but you have to do it why because let us say you know even in the toughest of the cases when you are learning something the teachings when they come to you they are going to be extremely tough isn't it let us see you know we have seen some of us have seen this movie karate kid you know the amount of tough teachings the teacher gives i mean just imagine he has to keep his shirt on top of that hang that rod over there he makes that child do that particular thing so many days in a row and the child thinks that and child thinks that you know oh my god this person is torturing me what kind of a teacher he is he is telling me to do the same stupid stuff it's a stupid stuff you know pick up put it hang it do like this put it down i mean think think about it it sounds so stupid and idiotic okay for a normal person those who undergo this kind of a training they think that it is very very stupid idiotic or it is tiresome but understand this that tiresome or that idiotic or that stupid training is actually going to make a person a very strong person tomorrow but the child the child in the sense that the learner doesn't understand these things so the teachings may be very tough or sometimes they may be so stupid that you may think you know i know all these things the i know aspect is the ego aspect actually that is the aspect which is being removed i know it you don't have to teach me about it 
And so that is the reason why it's the I know aspect is going to destroy your life. Nobody understands this. You see, if you say I know to somebody, what happens? The other person shuts up. He's not going to part with the information that he has. So in the same way, you have to maybe sometimes act like a foolish person and say, yes, I don't understand. Can you please explain to me? There is no need for you to say that you understand. But in front of the teacher, you have to be very humble and understand what he is teaching. So, let us see what happens. Endeavor merely for sense gratification or material happiness through economic development are not to be performed for they result only in the loss of time and energy with no actual profit. If one's endeavours were directed towards Krishna consciousness, one can surely attain the spiritual platform of self-realization. There is no such other benefit from engaging oneself in economic development. I know there is one economist over here with us. So maybe for her it is, who knows. See, economic development is basically on the basis of sense gratification. Why does a person want economic development? Economic development, even in our personal life, we require more money, we want to have riches, we want to, you know, have a big bank balance or maybe store, have some fixed deposits or buy some shares or something like that. I mean, we are basically looking at that, our bank properties. What is it all this for? This is basically for sense gratification. We feel happy about all these things. Think about it. You know, many, many years a person has gathered so much, you know, that you cannot even imagine. I mean, uh, think about it like this. Uh, there is a per- person, okay? And uh, this is a true story. A person dies. He is a very old man and he dies. And being one of the very richest of the, uh, you know, merchants, the moment the person is dead, the daughters come together and the son come together and the will is read. The moment the will is read, the person who is not staying with this other person says, you know what, I think you are all cheating me. You know what, you have already taken away everything right in the beginning itself. I mean, just now imagine the father is just got buried or just got burnt, you know, the body and here on the deathbed people are talking bullshit and nonsense. So think about it. What is the point in having wealth which is not going to give an ounce of happiness also to anybody? There's no point. I mean, why not be free in this world? What is the point of thinking about something which is whether you don't even know is going to happen or not going to happen? So we are worried about so many things. The economist on, I'll say the economist on a very large scale are thinking in terms of, okay, let us do this so that we can achieve that. You know, one of the richest economies in South America or Central America was Venezuela. I don't know whether you know Venezuela is an oil producing country. Today, the oil rate has dropped below 50%. And it is amazing to know that the inflation in Venezuela has reached the highest level in the world of 162% inflation. There is not even a bread lying over there in these shops. And only those who have dollars with them are able to buy groceries. Even the simplest of the grocery is not available. 
But once upon a time, it was such a thriving economy. There was so much of money because, you know, oil was being bought by countries and everybody was very happy about it. Now think about it. What suddenly what has happened? Did the economist even think about this kind of a thing? You cannot even say. You know, it's a sudden change. It's a sudden change. Nobody can predict that kind of a change that can appear. Suddenly a very, very thriving economy can suddenly be brought to its knees. And there are no theories in this world which can tell you about it. Right? It's like I was telling you about yesterday about Russia. Everybody thinks that Russia is down on its knees. But today Russia has signed some of the biggest deals in the world. It's signed some of the biggest deals in the world. It is, uh, And China which was is become one of its biggest partners. They are starting a railway line right up to the end of that China. And it's something which is really different. We don't even know that. So you cannot predict based on a certain past performances or phenomena. So economic development, even in such a grand scale, can never be predicted. Europe, which was literally down on its knees during the time of the world war. Today you may say Europe is a rich place and all that. I'm sorry. Richness also comes with people. And there are no people over there. Countries like Switzerland or Germany or France or any of these countries are dependent on population from abroad. You will find that France by itself has got so many millions of Muslims and people from other countries who have come in. Now think about it like this. If the local population over there gets richer and richer and richer, what is the point? I mean, is there nothing to nothing to spend on? Nothing to, uh, you know, bother their head about? Well, who is going to do your work? The richest of the person will say, I will, I will not even lift this uh, chapel. I won't even do this. So who is going to do that? You have very rich economies like, you know, Dubai and uh, Saudi Arabia and all that. But you see the number of population? The local population is not even one-fourth of the, the number of people that are there. Who is going to spend that money and where will you spend it? Think about it. Yes. So this is exactly what happens in this world. You can try your level best in coming up with fantastic economic scenarios. And the Bhagavatam is telling you, don't go by this bullshit. It's not going to happen the way you think about it. And Prahlad Maharaj, who is one of the greatest devotees of the Lord, is telling you this. What does he say? Endeavours merely for sense gratification or material happiness through economic development are not to be performed. For they result only in the loss of time and energy. These great people, the great economists, they waste their time and energy thinking over small matters or big matters. They just think. They don't do a thing. None of these uh, laureates who are there have ever lifted their finger in doing anything. And those who have done are responsible for a graft. No? Graft, you understand? Paisa lena, dena, under the table. This is what they are responsible for. And there is no actual profit. If one endeavors are directed towards Krishna consciousness, one can surely attain the spiritual platform of self-realization. The same amount of time if you spend in spiritual realization and thinking about Krishna, it would do much better for the person. There is no such benefit from engaging oneself in economic development. Therefore, while in material existence, that is Bhavam Ashrit, 
a person fully competent to distinguish wrong from right must endeavor to achieve the highest goal in life as long as the body is stout and strong and is not embarrassed by dwindling. So till a material worldly person is there, he should try to do as much good as possible in this world. You know, see material worldly people do not understand what is the part called, you know, devotional aspect and so on and so forth. Those who do not understand devotional aspect at least should try to do something nice in this world. Good. So at least they are doing some good karma, they may get some good benefits in the future. Every human being has a maximum duration of life of 100 years. That's the maximum anybody can live. Maybe oh, just one, <laughs> one in a million or one in ten million can live for more than that. But for one who cannot control his senses, half of those years are completely lost because at night he sleeps 12 hours being covered by ignorance. Therefore such a person has a lifetime of only 50 years. See, you know, uh, once upon a time I had done the total number of hours that a person actually spends working or doing something worthwhile. You will find that when you break it down, you will find that you sleep more. More than one third of your life you are sleeping. Okay? You will find that more than one third of your life you are doing all the regular activities like brushing your teeth, going for bath, going for toilet, you know, all these kind of things. You are not doing anything worthwhile. Then the remaining one third of your life you are thinking, you know, how many holidays I can take. Look at it from this point of view. There are 365 days in a year. You know, in India, there are 365 days in a year. I will just take India as an example. In 365 days in a year, suppose the person has got five five days a week. Saturdays and Sundays are gone. That means 365 minus 100. 52, 52, isn't it? 52 days of Sundays and 52 days of Saturdays are gone. That is 104 days in 365 are gone just like that. The rest of the days you want 18 to 20 days holiday. Then you want uh, one month leave. Can you imagine you are not even working for 150 days in the whole year. Nobody works. (laughs) And if you calculate the amount of time that is spent in the cafeteria or drinking coffee and tea and this and that, you are hardly working for one to two hours a working day. You know, working day, I am not even talking about the rest of the days. And the working day, you are physically doing two hours max per day for say 150 days. You are putting in just 300 hours in the whole goddamn year. Can you imagine this happening? 300 hours. Think. It's not even one month. Not even one month of your life you are working for anybody. And people have this great idea that Oh, I work my ass off for the whole life. No. Constructive and creative working or basically smart working. You may put in just 300 hours, but if your output is going to be more than 365 days worth, then I think you really deserve what you are getting. But (laughs) we are all lazy fellows, so we don't do this. So Prahlad Maharaj is very, very critical about this. (laughs) Imagine a five-year-old child is talking about this, alright? It's not some old person. He's five or six years old only. So, in the tender age, of childhood when everyone is bewildered one passes 10 years similarly in boyhood 
engaged in sporting and playing one passes another 10 years in this way 20 years are wasted similarly in old age when one is invalid unable to perform any even material activities one passes about 20 years wastefully matlab 40 years waisa bhi chala gaya and in india where we have 58 and 60 years as as you know what you say as a retirement age so you are starting at 20 and ending at 60 40 years mein kaam kitna kiya there is nothing so here he is just giving a breakdown of all all of it sounds very interesting during that time also he was telling you something which is worthwhile even today <laughs> one whose mind and senses are controlled uncontrolled because increasingly attached to family life because of insatiable lusty desires and very strong illusions in such a madman's life the remaining years are also wasted because even during those years he cannot engage himself in devotional service the rest of the time the person is looking for a good wife or a good husband then once you get a good wife or a good husband lust and desire has come into play once that comes into play then you have children then looking taking care of the children is very very important you know i just met somebody a few days ago and uh, it was a very funny thing that was going on this person has never you know uh, said loudly anything but he was sitting with his child and trying to make the child learn tamil in top of his voice and you know just think about it you are telling a child a for apple a for apple and the child is doing like this and you know how much frustrating it was for the father to actually drill it down so the we asked the mother what was the case so he says you know what we have to get up early in the morning the children have to catch you know they have to be dropped to school so by 6:30 they have to be ready that means you know what time they must be getting up in the morning very early 5 o'clock or so and the food has to be ready the food has to be packed for the children then dropping them to school and you are going to your work and the husband is going to the uh, his work and then in the evening they have the children have come back now the child comes at 3 3:30 after that the child is going to have food at home that dabba which is taken to school means only for your afternoon tea or something okay it is nothing filled with too much things so the child will come at 3:30 and after that he goes to the kitchen and looks around what is there to eat and is very very hungry okay and then on top of it once the hunger is satiated then the child wants to have a little break you know a little sleep or something then the parents come at 5 5:30 the moment the parents come you have to open every book by the way every book has to be opened and every book you have to see how much of homework the children are flooded with homework this is not india i am talking about okay so don't be mistaken so homework has to be completed you have to sign 100 bloody places you know okay seen 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 and then that and the teacher has sent some remarks also and you are getting frustrated about the child you know come on learn this learn this learn this and the child is busy with his ipad or iphone or something like that he is doing he is playing all the fancy games that are there this child whom i met had about 48 games on his own independent uh, what do you call that uh, notepad. notepad okay and in front of me he is sitting over there next to me i don't like this i am deleting it 
he deleted it and then he downloaded two new games again into it. This is very good. Today in school I learnt about this. Oh, he learns about games in school. Think about it. <laughs> so I asked him a simple question. I said, on whose idea are you downloading? He said, I don't know about that. My parents have done given this to me. <laughs> so I was so they are acquainted with the modern gadgetry. We were acquainted with playing langdi, coco and all those kind of things, you know, football and cricket and all. And these children today are completely different. So imagine the amount of frustration the parents are going through. Okay, this is still not over. Then they have to sit for dinner. Dinner is a tiresome thing. I don't like this, I don't like that. And after the dinner is over, the child is told, now you have to go to sleep, you know, you have to get up early in the morning. The child says, no, I have to, I have to do this, I have to play this game, I have to do this. And the parents, by the time, at the end of the day, 10 o'clock or 10.30 in the night, they are frustrated, no end. And they are going to be like dead logs in the, of wood in, in the bed, you know that? And they go to sleep. And again in the morning, the alarm rings. Then I ask them, so when are your holidays? So, holidays have to coincide with children's holidays and the school has to be told even if you take one additional day you have to give a lengthy explanation why you are taking that one additional day can you imagine this kind of a life people are leading today I know today I am smiling at it but I you know I in my world also this was same thing but it was so stupid a person goes through this torture all his life by the way it's literally torture and it doesn't end over there it doesn't end. The son and the daughter might have gone to school and college and once they are back. What are the talks that they do? Fast bikes, fast girls. You know that? <laughs> what, how much drinking you have done? What kind of people you have met? And today, I mean, I was thinking, you know, that Facebook and all these must be uh, some of the greatest things on planet Earth. But you know, when I was reading a very beautiful article, the person says, you know what, Instagram is the number one app for them. So <laughs> Instagram is there. How do they do it? Nobody knows how to do it. But today, we have to cope up with this kind of stuff. So, the son and the daughter are interested in the latest gizmos that are there in the marketplace. Okay. Now you have iPhone 6 plus or something like that. I want to have that. I want to have the fastest bike. I want to have the fastest car. I want this. I want that. And then the evening time is meant for going to, you know, you know DJs, RJs, these days, I don't know, so all those things. And that is the kind of life that is there. And you try molding them into, you know, from tomorrow you have to go to work. Finished. You know, every age has this issue. So don't worry. Today your children may be young, but tomorrow they will grow old. <laughs> you will have to go through this as well. So here, Prahlad Maharaj was telling something very, very important. He says, One whose minds and senses are uncontrolled becomes increasingly attached to family life because of insatiable lusty desires and very strong illusions. These are all illusions by the way. Whatever I gave you, they are all smiling, but these are actually illusions. In such a madman's life, the remaining years are also wasted. Even during those years, he cannot engage himself in devotional service. So there is no time for devotional service at all. What person to attach to household life 
due to due to being unable to control his senses can liberate himself so somebody who is so much involved in his family life or his household life just taking care of that one child or two children that they have just sending them to school and getting frustrated at the end of the year thinking about you know the fees and this and that and so many things well i have still not gone to the point of telling you what kind of clothes that you have to buy from where what kind of pencils i mean no forget about pencils what kind of instruments that you are supposed to buy even if you have to get craft paper the craft paper color also has to match the teacher has specifically written oh, this is the color that i want you know you have to go to that end of the town to get it it's a t- such a tough life so such type of an a- attached householder is bound very strongly by ropes of affection for his family wife children and other relatives money is so dear that one conceives of money as being sweeter than honey therefore who can give up the desire to accumulate money especially in households life thieves professional servants soldiers merchants try to acquire money even by risking their very dear life now look at this person who is trying to get this kind of a money what is it that a person has to do for doing all these household things you need to have money so money is dear to this person who conceives of money being sweeter than honey he, has, he needs money for everything therefore he gives up can who can give up the desire to accumulate money we need to have this money in our hand for doing all these activities we need to have so because of that he has to accumulate money especially in householders life and who are the people who come and take it away thieves professional servants basically think about it you know the amount of taxes that you pay people who take away money from you relatives friends everybody comes to take that money away from you they try to acquire money even by risking their own lives now there are people who can who will take the riskiest of the things and they will try to acquire this kind of money as well and where does this money go how can a person who is most affectionate to his family the core of his heart being always filled with the picture give up this association specifically a wife is always very kind and sympathetic and always pleases her husband in solitary place who could give up the association of such a dear and an affectionate wife small children talk in broken language very pleasing to hear and their affectionate father always thinks of their sweet words how could he give up their association one's elderly parents and one's son and daughter are very dear a daughter is especially dear to her father while living at her husband's house she is always in his mind who can give up that association aside from this in household affairs there are many decorated items of household furniture and there are also animals and servants who could give up such a comfort the attached householder is like a silkworm who weaves a cocoon in which it becomes in which he becomes in imprisoned unable to get out simply for the satisfaction of two important senses the genitals and a tongue one is bound by material conditions how can one escape now think about this child is giving this discourse yeah the next chapter is how he is giving it okay we will come to the next chapter later on but think about it is a 5 year old child who is talking about this these are basic matters which 
I don't think you need any explanations. You have the explanation with you. You understand this perfectly well. I know, you know, from the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Gita or whichever book that we have opened, these words have always been there. I mean, you may think that <laughs> some people say that deliberately. The spiritual people say it deliberately. Though, it is written. And if it is written, we are just reading them out. We, the spiritualists know this is the root cause of everybody's downfall. How to be completely in the devotional aspect is something the most difficult part in this world to, to understand this. Even Prahlad Maharaj is giving us this idea. He is saying that this is what happens. One who is too attached cannot understand that he is wasting his valuable life for the maintenance of his family. He also fails to understand that the purpose of human life, a life suitable for realization of the absolute truth is being imperceptibly spoilt. However, he is very cleverly attentive to seeing that not a single farthing is lost by mismanagement. Now how much we try to save money? Thus, although an attached person in material existence always suffers from threefold miseries, he does not develop a distaste for this way of material existence. You know, the threefold miseries, if you remember when we did the Bhagavad Gita, okay, Adibhuta, Adidaivik and Adhyatmi, three kind of miseries are there with the human being. Even after knowing about it, even after going through it, a person is still involved in the same rut. He is involved with his family, thinking about it, trying to make money, trying to make everybody happy and is completely involved in that particular aspect. This is what it is. If a person is too attached to the duty of family maintenance, he is unable to control his senses. The core of his heart is immersed in how to accumulate money. Although he knows that one who takes the wealth of others will be punished by the law of the government and by the law of Yamaraja after death, he continues cheating others to acquire money. This is also one of the aspects. If you cannot have it yourself on your own, then you take somebody else's money. So understand, this person who takes somebody else's money has to finally pay for it. Paying for it will happen. He who takes, one who takes the wealth of others will be punished by the law of the government and by the laws of Yamraj after death. He continues cheating others to acquire money. Oh my friends, sons of the demons, in this material world, even those who are apparently advanced in education have the propensity to consider this is mine and that is for others. Thus, they are always engaged in providing the necessities of life to their families in a limited conception of family life, just like uneducated cats and dogs. They are unable to take to spiritual knowledge, instead they are bewildered and out overcome by ignorance. So even the most highly educated person, even after knowing this whole thing, is not able to overcome this. They still are involved in this kind of activities and they are not able to apply any spiritual knowledge anywhere. My dear friends, O sons of the demons, it is certain that no that no one bereft of knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead has been able to liberate himself from material bondage at any time or in any country. Rather, those bereft of knowledge of the Lord are bound by the material laws. They are factually addicted to sense gratification and their target is woman. Indeed, they are always play things in the hands of attractive women. Victimized by such a conception of life, 
they become surrounded by children grandchildren and great grandchildren and thus they are shackled to material bondage those who are very much addicted to this conception of life are called demons therefore although you are such a son of demon keep aloof from such persons and take shelter at the supreme personality of godhead narayana the origin of all the demigods because the ultimate goal of the devotee of narayana is liberation from the bondage of material existence see these lines do not need much of an explanation i am sure they are very very clear to you my dear sons of the demons the supreme personality of godhead narayana is the original super soul the father of all living entities consequently there are no impediments to pleasing him or worshiping him under any circumstances whether one be a child or an old man the relationship between the living entities and the supreme personality of godhead is always a fact and therefore there is no difficulty in pleasing the lord the supreme personality of godhead the supreme controller who is infallible and indefatigable is present in different forms of life from the inert living beings that is inert living beings like stones and all that you know such as plants to brahma the foremost created living being he is also present in the varieties of material creations and in the material elements the total material energy and the modes of material nature that is sattva gun raja gun and tamo gun as well as the unmanifest material nature and the false ego although he is one he is present everywhere and he is also the transcendental super soul the cause of all causes who is present at the observer in the course of the heart of all living entities he is indicated as that which is pervaded and all the pervading super soul but actually he cannot be indicated he is changeless and undivided he is simply perceived as the supreme satchidananda that is eternity knowledge and bliss being covered by the curtain of the external energy to the atheist he appears non existent so here he is describing the lord the lord is present in everything whether it is a stone whether it is a tree whether it's a bird an animal a human being or for that matter anything you take a table or a chair also he is present he is present on this earth he is present on the moon he is present everywhere think about it like this you know i was reading in the national geographic about mites m i t e s they are such tiny creatures that if you pull a put a full stop in your writing a couple of mites will be sitting on top of that full stop and you won't even know about them the mites have been created in such a way that they have bodies they last for 4 weeks by the way their job is to be there present in the uh, you know takia pillows and the bed they thrive over there then they enter the face and other parts of the body all right and then they go inside our hair different different parts of the body they go inside the hair and they lay eggs over there and then more mites are born if you actually look at the at the figure of a mite through a, a microscope you will be amazed you will be you know you will not even like it it's literally having millions of hairs on the body it's got that mouth like this you know how a crab looks like like you just imagine a crab in a very tiny form with millions of hairs on top of it and everything is crawling and creeping all over the place such a mite is there the strangest part of the mite is something that i have to tell you 
the mind has a mouth has hands one thing it is missing is called the anus it doesn't have any excretory organ so imagine it just keeps on eating for four weeks and procreates and there are millions of mites in your bed in your hair in your body and they keep on eating all your dead skin and other stuff what kind of a life is that think they just have to eat that's it and nothing is coming out of their body it's a very dirty scene isn't it so if god has made such kind of creatures and he has made human beings also we are worse than those bloody mites you know we eat we drink we shit we do every other thing in this world and on top of it we don't even know who narayana is <laughs> so think about it so it is it is like this strange thing you know brahma ji who is the highest of the creatures in created domain has knowledge about literally everything and he keeps on creating continuously continuously he is keeping on creating but the lord he doesn't even know the lord by the way narayana he, he doesn't know narayana at all in the same way human beings also have no clue forget about the mites when nobody knows about the lord we are such tiny human beings and we don't even know where the lord exists but we believe in this divine thing that is why we are sitting here today and there are those who don't even have any belief in this they are called atheist and yet they are existing in this world like a stone is existing he doesn't have any belief system or anything because he doesn't have what we say as the manifestation in any form which is uh, which is you know he understands there is no understanding in a, in a stone so therefore my dear young friends born of demons please act in such a way that the supreme lord who is beyond the conception of material knowledge will be satisfied give up your demonic nature and act without enmity or duality show mercy to all living entities by enlightening them in the devotional service thus becoming their well wishers so now you understood who are the demons the demons are not some people called rakshasas in the previous lines i am sure you understood those who are completely involved in our day to day life without having any understanding of the devotional aspect in this material world are all called demons by the way that is what prahlad maharaj has said so those who are going towards the spiritual should understand that it is high time we started doing this kind of things and how are we supposed to do we are supposed to do it in the form of giving up our demonic nature you know we have this demonic nature anger lust greed so on and so forth we have to give up this kind of nature and act without enmity or duality there are no enemies in this world you have to act in a very friendly manner show mercy to all living entities we have to show mercy to everybody the person may be the worst character on earth may be the biggest demon on earth but yet we have to be merciful to him you understand this and enlighten them in devotion service if possible in our material world if we meet somebody you know you should be able to enlighten that person what is it that we are talking about the person may not even be interested in knowing you know but a topic may come up what do you do oh i believe in lord i believe in krishna 
who is your Krishna? Oh, Krishna is the supreme divine consciousness. It's like we are there, you know. He is there everywhere. Try to enlighten. But I don't think most of the people will understand. At that time you can try and you can keep quiet. It's not a problem. So thus becoming their well-wisher. This, if you, this knowledge, if you give a little bit of it, no, they will, you will be the well-wisher. Actually, you are wishing well about these people. So you have to actually try to tell them this, you know. Nothing is unobtainable for devotees who have satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the cause of all causes, the original source of everything. The Lord is the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities. For devotees, therefore, who are transcendental to the modes of material nature, what is the use of following the principles of religion? economic development, sense gratification and liberation, which are all automatically obtained under the influence of the modes of nature. We devotees always glorify the lotus feet of the Lord and therefore we need not ask for anything in terms of dharma, kamp, artha, moksha, all the four things you know in life. So, he says, you just become a devotee of the divine Lord, all this will happen to you in its natural progression. And those who are running after all these four things, which is called religion, economic development, sense gratification and liberation. Please tell them, if they try to run after this, they are not going to do any changes in any world, by the way. When people talk of the global warming, you know in the United States there is a cold wave? Do you know in India everybody is shivering at this moment in time? So where is the global warming gone? People say, you know, because of this there will be no rainfall, there will be no this, there will be a hole in the sky, ozone layer is happening. Boss, can you not understand somebody who has created this earth also has, uh, you know, some uh, counter system over there, some speed breaker somewhere? He must have built some speed breaker somewhere, isn't it? So somebody who is going down economically will come up tomorrow, who knows? Somebody who is going up economically will come down tomorrow. Who knows? Why are we bothered about all these things? Can we not just, just believe and trust in God that everything is there fine for good of us only and carry on with our devotional aspect and do our jobs. Just like everybody does their job properly, we are also supposed to do our jobs. Like remember the mites, their job is to eat. They are eating, they are thriving on the skin, then they die. They are doing their job, isn't it? They are not doing any karma, by the way. They are just dissipating karma. They are trying to remove the dirt from your body. Got it? So, religion, economic development and sense gratification. These are described in the Vedas as three varga or three ways of salvation. Within these three varga are education and self-realization. Ritualistic ceremonies performed according to Vedic injunctions, logic, the science of law and order, the various means of earning one's livelihood. These are the external subject matters of the study of Vedas and therefore I consider them material. However, I consider surrender to the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu to be transcendental. The Vedas are also talking of these things. Remember, if you remember what I have said, the Vedas are called the framework of material existence. Framework, these are the rules and the laws like a constitution, you know. The constitution is written for a common man. Likewise, the Vedas are written for a common man. And what do the Vedas are talking about? They are talking about economic development, they are talking of religion, they are talking of sense gratification and everything that is mentioned in our world. They are talking about what are the things that they speak about? They talk of Vedic injunctions like logic, science of law and order, 
various means of methods of earning one's livelihood. All this is there in the Vedas. Vedas is literally like a manual for what you are supposed to do in this world. But all the Vedas are only for material existence. So those who literally tell you quote the Vedas and the Shastras, they are idiots. Because the spiritual devotee of the Lord is not at all interested in your Vedas, your Shastras, your economic development, your religion. He is not bothered about all these things. He is only fully focused in religious aspect only. Besides that, he doesn't bother about anything. Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the well-wisher and friend of all living entities, formerly explained this transcendental knowledge to the great Saint Narada. Such knowledge is extremely difficult to understand without the mercy of a saintly person like Narada. But everybody who takes shelter in Narada's disciplic succession can understand the confidential knowledge. Narayana explained this entire knowledge to Narada. So, Prahlad Maharaj continued, I received this knowledge from the great saint Narad Muni who is always engaged in the devotional service. This knowledge which is called Bhagavad Dharma is fully scientific. It is based on logic and philosophy and is free from all material contamination. Anybody who tells you that this particular knowledge is not scientific or not based on logic is wrong. The devotional aspect is also based on all these things. Okay? We are going to understand all that once we come to the next chapter. The son of the demons replied, So now, this Prahlad was telling this to all the demons over there, all the children. So now the demons are the children of the demons are going to ask him, Dear Prahlad, neither you nor we know of any teacher or spiritual master other than Sanda and Amarka, the sons of Shukracharya. They are all five years old and six years old. Okay. After all, we are children and they are our controllers. For you especially, who always maintain within this palace, it is very difficult to associate with great personality. Dear friend, more gentle one, would you kindly explain how it was possible to hear Narada kindly dispel our doubts in this regard? So, they are asking Prahlad Mun, Prahlada, you know you are staying in one palace. You are the king's son. You are never left alone. Somebody or the other is always there with you. And we are also children of demons. We don't have any other teacher besides Sanda and this one. You know, Amarka. These are the sons of Shukracharya. Then how come you have this knowledge and we do not have this knowledge? So, this is the question that is left over there. And we are going to do the next chapter in which he is going to tell us how this entire knowledge has come to him. Alright? So, we will end our chapter over here. This ends the chapter.